I'm Kate Daniels. Vaping. It is a huge issue and thus attracting a lot of attention. If we thought cigarettes and smoking were bad, this is multiple times worse, more harmful, more addictive. Just this past week, Bloomberg Philanthropies launched a new $160 million program to end the youth e-cigarette epidemic. Parents and even youth themselves are marching forward to educate and to confront this vile activity of vaping. So first, we're going to meet Vince Wilmore, the VP of Communications with Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, and Meredith Berkman, co-founder of Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes, P-A-V-E, to learn their perspectives and recommendations to all of us. Vince Wilmore, Meredith Berkman, good morning. It is so perfect to have you join us this morning. Thank you so much for having having us on. So let's get right into this. Vince, you are with the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids. These days, we're hearing just so much uh, on the news, on all sorts of uh, news information channels uh, about the problem with our kids and e-cigarettes and vaping. So what is happening with the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids? Well, you're absolutely right that uh, youth e-cigarette use has, has become an epidemic of public health emergency in our country uh, that uh, over 3.6 million kids now use e-cigarettes. And the problem has become even more urgent in recent weeks because of all these serious cases of of lung disease associated with e-cigarettes across the country. And and that's why it's so critical this morning that, that Bloomberg Philanthropies is launching this new initiative to end the youth e-cigarette epidemic in the United States. Uh, focused especially on banning the flavored e-cigarettes that have caused this problem. And the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids is going to be leading this effort. So we're going to be working with organizations across the country, including parent organizations like Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes. We're going to be working in city to city, state to state, till we take these flavored e-cigarettes off the market and then we get action done nationwide. And so the focus is very much then on the flavored e-cigarettes, but it's really all of that in general, isn't it? Well, the it, flavored... it is a problem. Go ahead, Meredith. Well, I was just going to say that the, the reason that they were so focused on flavors is because the research has shown for quite some time now, uh, this is all happening in real time, but that the flavors hook the kids. And this is a generation of young people that would otherwise not have been initiated into tobacco use. There had been so much important work done to bring uh, youth smoking rates down to the lowest they'd ever been. And so the introduction of these flavors has caused kids who, again, would otherwise not be using tobacco products to become, you know, in danger of being a generation of nicotine addicts. I mean, we know that the the most recent figures are already almost a year old. And what we knew a year ago was that there were almost 4 million kids using flavored e-cigarettes like Juul. And so once you remove the flavors, you can slow the rise of this epidemic and try to turn it around. And I guess that really makes sense because we know that sugar in itself is so addictive and it's so appealing. So adding the flavors, I can see they're really targeting our kids. Absolutely. And they were also 
targeted on social media with the use of influencers. I mean, we've, we've given sworn testimony in Congress with our sons, for example. Uh, we got into this fight because our sons came home from school and told us that a jewel rep had come in to their classroom through an outside addiction group without knowledge of the school, certainly of the parents, and told our kids that while Jewel didn't want them as customers, they backed up every uh, comment by saying, but it's totally safe. You know, don't do this, but it's totally safe. So um, there, there have been predatory practices put in place to hook our kids on these flavored e-cigs like Jewel. And today, this really important initiative uh, that Tobacco Free Kids is launching and that we're so proud to be partnered with them on and we're so grateful to Bloomberg Philanthropies for, um, this will be uh, our chance to protect our kids and turn this around. Because while they say, oh, it's perfectly safe, we certainly are learning of how devastating it is physically, health-wise, that it's destroying uh, youth lungs, and it, of course, affects the brain as well, right? Well, that's exactly right. We already knew that nicotine and nicotine harms the developing brain and that it can prime it for further addiction. And we also have, you know, every day there's more evidence of cardiovascular damage, this terrible outbreak of cases, as frightening as it is for us as parents. I have four kids. I I, I worry about this all the time. But it only serves to underscore what we've already known. Because the FDA allowed these products out there without pre-market review, we really have no idea what our kids are taking deep into their lungs. And we aren't addressing this this morning, but we can just listen to other uh, news stories that are going on that are talking about the devastation to the lungs that someone who's 17 years old actually has been told they have the lungs of a 70-year-old person. Well, lungs continue to develop as brains do. You know, there's a, a kid's lungs are developing. I'm not sure if it's till 25 or 26, but but lungs develop as brains do. And you're right that we know this is not good for their lungs. And so the campaign, the focus now is really to eliminate these from the marketplace. Is that correct? Well, the, the, our goal is uh, to take flavored products off the market uh, because we know that the flavored e-cigarettes are driving this epidemic, that uh, 97% of kids who use e-cigarettes have used a flavored product recently, and about 70% of them say flavors are why they use these products. The flavors make e-cigarettes seem fun and safe. Kids think they're only breathing in uh, water vapor when, when that's absolutely not the case. Many of them don't realize that, that they're consuming nicotine, and, uh, and they absolutely don't know that each jewel pod has as much nicotine as a whole pack of cigarettes. So what we're seeing across the country is, is kids becoming severely addicted to nicotine because of jewel. They're showing serious symptoms of addiction, and it's really harming and disrupting their lives and the lives of their families. It's affecting their health. Uh, their academics, their ability to participate in, in sports. So the danger with these products isn't just long-term. That if you use them for a long time, it will eventually affect your health. It's affecting kids now.
I just want to give the human face to it, our group, parentsagainstvaping.org. You know, we hear from parents all the time, as Vince just said, a kid who was uh, a prospect for university, for college hockey, suddenly couldn't complete a practice. A kid who was an A student and a Boy Scout had to go to rehab. A kid who was happy and popular, you know, started exhibiting signs of extreme anger. We hear so much about I want my son back. I want my daughter back. This is not my child. Those are the the real life stories that animate what Vince just described to you. We hear them all the time. So eliminating the flavored e-cigarettes, will that really then solve the problem? Is Is the labeling also being clear that there is nicotine present? Taking the flavors off the market will, will go a long way towards solving the problem. But that's not the only thing that we need to do. Uh, it's also critical that, that the FDA enforce the law and review e-cigarettes before they get on the market. Uh, we need to know what's in these products. As Meredith said, what kids are breathing into their lungs. Um, and and uh, just to know the, the health risks of these products. So right now, there are literally thousands of e-cigarettes on the market with, that have never undergone a, a health and safety review by the FDA. This is a giant science experiment in our kids and the public, and then we need to stop it. Our kids are being used as human guinea pigs for the, e- the e-cigarette experiment, and we won't let that happen. You know, we are, we are an army of, of motivated momficates across this country thrilled to partner on this initiative, and we will not allow our kids to become a generation of nicotine addicts. And what um, what's being launched today is a very important uh, first step of this next, next phase of this fight, and the time to act is now because kids are only kids once. So we have to take action now to save them from a lifetime of addiction. So there's a forward momentum happening. What do all of us need to be doing, Meredith and Vince? Well, parents can have a voice, and they should have a voice. Parents, first of all, need to educate themselves. They need to know what these products look like. They need to know uh, what's going on with their own children, with their children's you know, social circles. Um, you can Certainly, you can go on... Um, BiteFlavoredEcigs.org. You can go on our website, ParentsAgainstVaping.org, where we have a parent toolkit as a resource that sort of gives you, you know, with pictures and links to really important information. You have to know what you're looking for. These products are stealth by design. They look like um, phone chargers or computer sticks. Um, you need to talk to your kids in a constructive way. Ask them who's doing this or what does it feel like to be at a party these days? What are they seeing in school? Have a constructive, not a punitive conversation. Make them feel that you want to partner with them. Explain to them what the dangers are. Look at some of the information with them. Give them a voice. Um, I also think, you know, we find that every parent's voice and every kid's voice that is raised will make a difference. If you are in a community where you know um, that stores are selling to underage kids, report them. 
every action will be amplified by our movement. And as you mentioned, Meredith, you have a great website. People can get more information, and that's parentsagainstvaping.org, correct? Yes, thank you. Okay. And Vince Wilmore with Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids. You also have a website, and I would imagine you're saying the same thing that Meredith has said. Yes, we do. And, and our, our new initiative launched today has its own website at fightflavoredecigs.org. Uh, where people can sign up. Um, and as I mentioned, we'll be working across the country on campaigns to, to ban flavored e-cigarettes. And uh, we will be activating people uh, to contact their elected officials, to attend rallies, uh, to get involved and, and uh, to win this fight. Absolutely. And to give our kids a future that is healthy and vibrant, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I thank you both so greatly for your passion, your commitment, and certainly uh, taking time with us this morning to inform us. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're so welcome. So there we have the input from the adult world, from the parents. Now we're going to meet a young man, one of the youth, right in the midst of it, let's call it a battle. And the youth the ones who are very negatively impacted by these cigarettes, to have them speak up and speak out, that is huge. They are being attacked, and they are fighting back. More than 3.6 million U.S. kids use e-cigarettes, including one in five high school students. 97% of kids who use e-cigarettes use flavored varieties. So they taste great. That is so addictive, and it's so negative to do it that way. There's nicotine in them, and we know how addictive that is. And so for the young people that are being sold this bill of goods, to have them push back and demand change, their voices are powerful and need to be heard. And so with these statistics, let's now meet this young man, Philip Furman, to hear his personal experience. Hi. Hi, Philip Furman. Good morning. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm just uh, really grateful to have you joining us this morning and uh, being so willing and open to talk about uh, vaping and e-cigarettes. Of course. So what is your story? How did you get into e-cigarettes? So I first saw saw my first one when I was in eighth grade towards the end of it um and i didn't really realize what it was my friend explained it to me and i tried it and i liked it and i got my own a few weeks later and that's how i started doing it and i was addicted by the summer going into ninth grade so what was that just a few months really yeah that's all it took and did that happen to be a flavored one Yes, I started with the mint pot, and that's the one that I used up until I quit. And I know every single one of my friends, at least, started with flavors and continue to use flavors. And so it was, uh, how did your friend introduce you to saying uh, he was using it? And did he say, hey, you want to try this? Or how did that go? Yeah, it's basically just what he said. He said, hey, you want to try this? And I did. So it's a, it's a, friend kind of thing. Did it feel like pressure, peer pressure to do it? No, not really. 
just this was a while ago though so we were all in eighth grade we were in the same grade it's not like we he was older than me pressuring me or anything sure and what age are you now philip 16 so I'm a junior so now a junior so it's just been a few years but in a few months you say you were addicted yeah probably less honestly and so what was the process then? Did you find that you just had that craving? You had to keep smoking these things? Well, I never had to go without it for a period of time until my mom took it in the beginning of ninth grade when she found my first one. And that's when I realized I was addicted because I had to go without it for three days and or four days or five days. And I was starting to feel anxious and foggy and not clear-headed, and that's when I re think I realized I was addicted. So prior to this, though, I imagine there were rules with your family, with your parents, about the use of nicotine just in general, right? Yeah, they just, I was hiding it. They had no idea until they found my first one. And so after you had to go without it for a few days, what happened after that? Well, I eventually got another one after a few days, but... I, that's when I finally realized that I needed it, that it was, that it's something that I needed to have. Otherwise, I was uncomfortable and not feeling well. Did that concern you at that young age, your eighth grade? Are, are you concerned at all? Thinking, I was in ninth grade at this oh, time. Oh, by now. then. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I was. It was concerning. And so then what was the, the process? Did you think about, I need to quit this, or did you just continue using I just continued using it at that point, but towards the spring of ninth grade, that's when I started to realize that I needed to quit. And what was that process like for you? Very hard. I tried to quit and failed a lot of times, and it's all just about the withdrawal because it's so hard. And the thing is that these symptoms are so bad, and the one thing that stops it all is always being passed around right in front of you at parties. And so how did you manage, because I imagine you're not using it now, right? Yeah. You're clean of it. Mm -hmm. So what was the process then to go to parties and your friends are using it, but you don't want to? Uh, do you feel pressured at that point? Well, I myself have good friends, so they don't pressure me. They support. They supported me when I was trying to quit. But I know in other communities, yeah, there are a lot of there's a lot of peer pressure. And for those kids, I think that's that it's even harder for them to quit because they not only have the physical aspects of it, but they also have their t or their friends telling them to do it as well. And for you, your health, because I, I've i been hearing just lately, obviously this is such a, a problem, it's really probably an epidemic, how it's affecting young people in their lungs, because you're still developing, so it has a big impact. What about you and your health? Do you know how you are doing in that vein? While I was juuling, I would sometimes um, get short, or I... Oh, I'm blanking on the word right now. With your lungs, or you were so, having? Yeah, I'd have shortness of breath because I, I couldn't, I got winded easily and I couldn't run as long while I was juuling, and I would sometimes get chest pains as well. But most of that is honestly cleared up 
when I quit. So I don't think I don't know if I have any lasting damages. I've never been to a pulmonologist. Right, but now if you are engaging in any kind of sports, you're not finding uh, breathing to be an issue. Well, honestly, I can't remember what I was like before I started dueling, so I don't know if it was if I'm back to the same level. I don't think I am, but I don't know. But I definitely know that I'm better than I was when I was under it when I was using it. I'm so thankful that you just realized uh, what an impact, negative impact it was having on you, and you made that decision. Do you find that you are able to have that kind of impact on your circle of friends and on others? Well, I feel that the person, the kid who is addicted needs to quit, needs to want to quit, because if they don't want to quit, then nothing can be done. They need to want it and try really hard, and that's the only way that people quit, because if the kid doesn't want it but is getting pushed by parents, teachers, and everything, then they're just going to find ways around it and continue using. That's true. We don't like to be told what to do. So as a young person, as a junior, how can we best reach young people to get them to really grapple with this and and make good decisions? Well, I think banning flavors would definitely stop younger kids from doing it. But for the people who are already addicted, I think we need to help them with some maybe addiction counseling. Um, Schools need to help their students instead of having zero tolerance policies towards vaping and nicotine use, they need to start having um, more progressive policies where they get them help, where they maybe start testing their student who's been caught to make sure that they're staying clean and things like that. That sounds like a lot of great words of wisdom, which is then no surprise. I understand that you actually uh, presented this case to Congress this summer. I did partly, yes, we um, talked to Congress at the same time as the CEO, James Monsies, was there. And so what was that experience for you? How was your message received? That was really interesting. I hope that they are doing something about it now as we're talking here, but I don't know. We told them everything that we could. We told them our sides, our viewpoints. And honestly, it was a really interesting and fun experience, and I hope something good comes out of it. Yes, I'm certainly with you on that, Philip. And I I would think that having a young person like yourself who's had that experience, knew they were addicted, has been able to come through it, those words have to have a lot of power they have a lot of power for me, I hope for our listeners, but to people you were you know who are our lawmakers, uh you would hope they were hearing this. I hope they heard us, and I hope they heard everyone else who was there and saw every other teenage kid there who wanted change to be made. so was there a large group of you? There was we there was so much of us that we couldn't even all fit in the room. They had to close off the room and some people had to fill into an, another room to watch it on the TV. That is really is so powerful and, and really such a strong message when you've got 
this band of people coming together and and I have to say young voices because uh this is impacting you. You're the ones affected by it. And if you're coming forward and saying yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And so you're bringing forth this message. Are you involved uh, directly with any of the these organizations such as uh, Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids or Parents Against Vaping? My mom is the co-founder for Parents Against Vaping. So, yes. Oh, so Meredith is your mom. No, Dorian's my mom. Dor- Meredith the is my other, friend's mom. The other half, the other co-founder, got it. <laughs> well, so did she get involved because of your activity? Well, what happened was last year there was an incident um, with vaping that caused our parents, um, me, my mom, and Meredith to come together with the third mom and create this group. And we started helping out, me, my friend, and my other friend, we started helping them out with the things that they needed to do and speaking and things like that. And then we went to a um, Tobacco 21 thing in hearing in Westchester, and we spoke at that. And I think that's kind of like the first place that we really went and spoke to. And then from there, we are, I guess we're here now. Yes, you are here now, and I commend you. I can't congratulate you enough for being such a, a strong character. I can imagine that your future is holds great things for you because you are well-spoken and, and you are unafraid to come forward and say what you feel and what you believe. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. I greatly appreciate your willingness to share your story. I can only hope that as you continue to share that other ears are hearing this and embracing it and and will uh, make positive changes in their own lives. So you're doing great work, Philip. Thank you. I hope they do as well. Great. So many thanks. Continued success on your journey. Thank you. And now we're going to take a moment for our Sunday morning shout-out. Pacific Medical Center's PacMed supports the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is a voluntary health organization that gives those affected by suicide a nationwide community, empowered by research, education, and advocacy to take action against this leading cause of death. They're dedicated to saving lives, bringing hope to those affected by suicide, and creating a culture that's smart about mental health by engaging in these core strategies. Funding scientific research, educating the public about mental health and suicide prevention, advocating for public policies in mental health and suicide prevention, supporting survivors of suicide loss and those affected by suicide. The Out of the Darkness community walks are getting underway in many communities locally and across the country. Check their website, www.afsp.org. That's afsp.org to find one close to you. PacMed is partnering with Swedish and Providence St. Joseph Health this year for the October 20th walk at Seattle Center's Fisher Pavilion. 
It's an opportune time to come together, to learn, to connect, to clearly see that we are not alone and that together we're going to find the way out of the darkness. Let's walk together and together we will feel supported. We will have support. To learn more or to join your local walk, please visit AFSP.org today.